Welcome to The Front Line, the sales and marketing podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the sales and marketing podcast, where we aim to provide entrepreneurs and enterprise leaders with the three T's, the tools, tip, uh, <laughs> tools tips, and techniques that help improve sales and marketing knowledge for better results. I'm Avon Collis, CRM and marketing automation guy, and I'm joined here with Loris Block, marketing strategy, customer experience, and digital transformation expert. Today, we have a guest, a topic near and dear to my heart. We are joined by Peter Daly-Dixon, founder and CEO of Macanta CRM, a platform that helps you build the perfect CRM for your business. Welcome, Peter. How are you? Um, really good. Thanks, Avon. Thanks for the welcome and the introduction. <laughs> no worries at all. Um, I guess one of the things we uh, we were kind of talking about before the, uh, the session was... Um, what CRM is, what it isn't. And I, I guess I'd like to start off with your definition of what a CRM is and why it's important. Uh, it's a great question. Um, I hope you haven't got any other questions because that's a podcast episode in itself. Uh, and and I, I will just uh, apologize for my voice. This is the fourth or fifth call this morning. It's not even lunchtime. So if I'm sounding a little hoarse, it's because I've probably be a little bit too uh, exuberant on uh, on earlier calls. Um, I think that the, the, the challenge for all of us that are working in the CRM space is that CRM has become this kind of um, catch-all term for business software. Uh, I mean, it, it's what it actually stands for, you know as well as I do, is contact relationship management, client relationship management. And it's typically or has typically been put into a business to help uh, salespeople in an organization manage the relationships between salespeople and the organization and, and their clients. Um, and those relationships are typically uh, exemplified through email, through phone conversations, through text messages, that, that sort of stuff. So, so that, that, that relationship between the organization, the salesperson in, in an organization and the client or, or the prospect is typically what a CRM is there to, to do. And I think over the years, though, as more and more uh, platforms and uh, apps and systems come out, and you know, there's far more than you can shake a stick at these days, <laughs> you know, as well as I do. I, I think that, as at, at the moment, we stand at about 8,000 plus MarTech uh, products, and that's just MarTech. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and obviously, CRM is, is in there. And I think because of that, um, that the term CRM has kind of broadened its its uh, its scope to be uh, really any software that helps a, a business run, and and that's that's certainly the approach that that we've taken to it with with Macanta. Yeah, excellent. Now, I, I, like you said, like a lot of people tend to include uh, things that, or, or I think a lot of platforms try and get away with calling themselves a CRM if they capture a first name, last name, and an email. Um, and I think that's pretty much a very uh, deceptive way to go. Uh, you know, I think of one, uh, we'll mention it without mentioning it. I'll say it's Tuesday.com. Um, <laughs> and, and that seems to have added a CRM function on it as well. Uh, and, sometimes it just doesn't cut the mustard. And I think that um, people tend to be misled with the wrong kind of thing and, and end up just having a, you may as well have a spreadsheet. It's not much better. I think you're right. And, you know, if, if I, if I had a, well, I do have a choice. So we've all got choices. Um, it, but 
we've called ourselves Macanta CRM really to, um, I mean, we as humans love to be able to put things into pigeonholes and categorize them. Um, and although Macanta is way, way more than just a CRM, just allowing you to manage the, the one, the, the, the one-to-one -one relationship between you as the organization and your prospects and, and clients, we put it into, uh, we put it into the name just so that we kind of get some kind of recognition as to where Macanta fits in a, in a business. Um, if that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, Floris, you're on mute. Uh, the sentence of 2020, you're on mute. Um, so we had Louise Karsh on the show and Louise Karsh is all about branding and she's uh, written books about branding. Uh, she's a bestseller author on, on names and how important brand names are. And uh, one of the key, say, uh, key things that she said, uh, not to me on, on, on my show or when we interviewed her, but more on Lauren Kress's show, which is that if you put what the software actually does in the name, you have a much better chance of actually getting it out there and getting the recognition it deserves. So by saying Macanta CRM, you're actually very clearly indicating what it says on the tin. And if it delivers, you've got a good combination. Yeah. So, so, we, so we, we did something right, even though we didn't know what we were doing. <laughs> oh, I'm sure you do. A lot of it is instinctive work in, in some cases. In other cases, people would require the services of a person like Louise Kosh. Uh, by the way, this is a plug for Louise Kosh. <laughs> <laughs> So um, how does the CRM, I guess, apply to the sales process in, in your world, in the Macanta world? Well, I mean, obviously before, uh, maybe it's not obvious, but before somebody, um, before another human decides to give money to an organization, there has to be an element of trust there, you know, and, and unless you're buying clothes pegs or packet of Maltesers, you know, from the news agent, you know, for, for, the, for the kind of, um, not, not even high ticket, but the kind of services and, and products that professional service firms uh, supply, uh, it's, it's generally a considered purchase. And all things being equal, People buy from people, humans buy from other humans that they know, like, and trust. That's generally recognized to be true. But here's a thing that a lot of people don't recognize is that all things not being equal, people still tend to buy from people they know, like, and trust. So the commonality in the, 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 the buying process is to do everything you can to foster an environment where two humans have an opportunity to know, like, and trust each other. Uh, and a CRM, uh, if, if, if all a salesperson was doing was only, only ever going to sell to, to one person, maybe to one person at a time, it probably wouldn't need a CRM because I don't need a CRM to manage my relationship with you, Avon. And Floris, I've only just met you today for the first time, but I don't need a CRM to manage my relationship with you. I don't need a CRM to manage my relationship with my wife. She might argue, she might argue something different, but, but generally speaking, we, we don't, we don't need a, a, a CRM or a system 
to manage relationships that are that are kind of just one to one like that. So, but but a CRM does come into its own where a salesperson has to manage and keep on top of his or her relationship with a lot of other humans at the same time because you know we're just not built to to keep that amount of of information and, and stuff in our in our heads and and so that's one that's one part of it that that's that's why uh, a CRM is important to the salesperson uh, you know in order just to to, to keep a some kind of um, maintain their sanity if you like in terms of keeping track of uh, who they're selling to what's being discussed with with who um, you know and, and as a salesperson to to capture the information which helps to uh, engender that no like trust you know let's say uh, the, the the prospect mentions in conversation that uh, their their eldest son has just been gone into hospital uh, for, for some for some reason well the good salesperson is going to to store that information somewhere not not to to kind of you know be manipulated or whatever but if they are genuinely coming at that relationship with that prospect from a position of you know, I, I i want to build a no like trust relationship with this other human then just think about if it was your friend if your friend told you that their son had been taken to hospital the next time you saw them probably it's probably going to be the first question you ask how's your son how's he doing um and uh, so that's why a CRM is important to the salesperson. But if you t actually go up a level and actually think about it from an organization perspective, CRMs are vitally important to an organization because otherwise, um, not otherwise, because the, the value in the organization is expressed between the no like trust relationships that exist between the people in the organization and then the people they're attempting to sell to. So if I'm just relying on each individual salesperson to have their own individual system, whether it be on the back of an envelope or whether it be a spreadsheet or whatever, then as an organization, I am, I have no sight of the asset, which is, uh, which is, being built inside my business, which is all of these relationships with, you know, between my organization and the people that are, are looking to do to biz, do business with it. So is, CRMs are important for both those areas, really. That's good to hear someone else uh, explain it in, in such a very different uh, way. I think sometimes, uh, I don't know, and myself, I can get caught up in the technicality of it. And, and I use very similar to you with the, the um, son in hospital, I say, you know, if their dog broke its leg, you can always ask, how's the dog's leg healing? Is it okay? And you completely change that relationship. And I always talk about the, the, the big red bus scenario. What happens if one of your team members get hit by a big red bus? Yeah. And all of that stuff goes with them. You know, whether that big red bus is a promotion at a job somewhere else, maybe it actually is a big red bus. But if all of their uh, corporate knowledge was up here or in a post-it notes all over their uh, dashboard in their car or yeah. something um, it's gone and you have no That's way of transferring that to somebody else. Like we've got the the message feed and we just at mention someone else in the team and then they've got the same backlog of history on everything that's involved with that client. Yeah. Well, it's very difficult. You know, you know yourself, if you're introduced to, you know, uh, friends, friends of your friends, it's difficult. It can be difficult to kind of, get up to speed mm. with with the the different relationships well from an organization perspective that is next to impossible if you are completely blind to what's gone what's gone before absolutely yeah. uh, 
you said that um, you don't need to manage your relationship with your partner because your partner is in your wife. Um, but if you write her birthday down anywhere, you are essentially building a database of information about that person. Are you That's not? That's true. There, there's a, there's a the, funny, the funny thing there, by the way, is the funny thing that I must say, um, only, only to, to dob my wife in, is that it was our anniversary a couple of days ago. And every single year, normally it's the, it's the cliche, isn't it? The, the, the husband forgets the anniversary. Well, we, we were married on the, the 12th of the 11th, 2011. And she can never remember whether it was the 10th of November or the 12th of November. She knows it wasn't, wasn't the 11th because we didn't get married on 11, 11, 11. Um, sorry, sorry, I was just a bit off. <laughs> That's right, you could create... It's actually my wife. It's my, it's my wife that needs to write it down, not me. <laughs> well, I, I know someone who can sell her a CRM. <laughs> <laughs> you could create an automation, be like 30 days out, remind, email reminder, seven days out, then yeah, days, must do then that. day off. <laughs> Just create an onboarding sequence. Like. Which is a fantastic segue to actually what uh, Peter said, which is it started off as basically nothing more than a digital version of a Rolodex, right? But then automation started being added to it. And automation now is part uh, uh, of the definition of what a CRM is. So can you, do you know maybe a little bit of the history on, of when automation started becoming part of CRM and what is automation and how can it be best used in in, in the sales environment? It's a great question. And I, I would hate to, uh, by simply by virtue of opening my mouth, prove my ignorance of the first part of your question. Um, but I, I suspect that sales automation has been around, I mean, uh, from, I, I believe the sales automation was part of Salesforce's kind of um, Version one. reason for, for reason for being, yeah. Um, but I think it's uh, when you think about uh, marketing automation per se, um, I know there was one company, Infusionsoft, which were uh, very big in helping to both describe and to define that market. Uh, so they, they started up in um, 2004. So nearly nearly 20 years now they, they've been going and that's for, for, for a software company. That's a, that's a long time. So very successful company. Um, they had a couple of missteps, I think, by their, their own admission. Um, and I, I think early on it was because they were trying to be everything. They were trying to be the e-commerce system, the affiliate management system, the um, landing page, the email marketing automation follow-up and, and all that. But, but actually the thing that Infusionsoft does really, really well is marketing automation. And uh, that was really my my first exposure to the both the concept and the possibilities with automating stuff in a business so when i first saw infusionsoft because i because i'm not you know primarily marketing uh focused or marketing uh based i have a technical background as we um mentioned before we started recording is i i really saw the possibility of infusionsoft being able to automate other stuff in, in a business. So automating task reminders and, and, uh, and, and, and processes and the like. Um, so yeah, I, I'm kind of rambling because I've forgotten all the elements of your, of your question. Um, so I think sales automation and market automation has been around for a long time, but I think it's really in the last, the last 10 or 15 years that it's really started to take hold. And that's 
I mean, it's over that time that we've seen the likes of Active Campaign and Entreport and Drip and and uh, you know these other systems um, kind of stand on the top of of uh, the market defining work that Infusionsoft did to to um, to help businesses automate. Okay. Certainly, automate their marketing anyway. So the second part of the question was, I mean, knowing we know what marketing automation, but for example, for our audience, then how would you define marketing automation, and how does it fit in a sales environment? Okay, so it's a it's a good question, and I kind of got a bit of a love hate relationship with it actually, because uh, my experience of working with Infusionsoft was that because it was so because it's the engine that they built to um, create the automations uh, in a business was so powerful is that people like me and Avon and you probably to a certain extent, Flores, saw it and thought, oh my God, what else is this tool going to be able to to do? And the the challenge that, and it's actually the, the reason why Macanter exists is is inherently because of that problem, but we'll come to that um, a little bit l- later on. Um, that if you stick to what Infusionsoft and tools like it do really, really well, as and an, I've best heard this described as personalization at scale. So we all know that we receive an email that says, um, "Hey Pete, just checking in." make sure you're okay, not heard from you for a little while, that's probably going to get A, a greater chance of being opened and B, a greater chance of being actioned on than if it just says, hello, subscriber, <laughs> or, or hello, hello, friend. Um, so what marketing automation allows you to do is to take what you might ordinarily do if it was just a single one-to-one relationship. So let's pretend that uh, Avon is a, is a prospective customer of mine. And let's pretend that Avon is the only ever prospective customer of mine. I hope to God that's not true. <laughs> it isn't. Um, so, so what marketing automation allows me to do is to think, how, how might I communicate with, with Avon if I didn't have to think about, you know, we talked about earlier about CRMs allowing salespeople to cope with multiple relationships, multiple people. Let's pretend it was just one-to-one. So market automation allows me to, to write an email as if Avon is the only person I'm ever going to do business with, but then to, to encapsulate that in a, in a sequence or a campaign that can get sent to anybody that comes across my business that, that, where that email needs to be sent at a particular point in time. Now, obviously, there is, there is a time in the relationship where you don't want to automate. So generally speaking, the marketing automation is, on, is, is typically towards the, uh, most people are aware of this concept of a, of a funnel where you have the top of the funnel is the whole universe of, of people that could ever potentially be customers. And then you know, people start to move through the funnel. Um, I think there are aspects of that which are fundamentally flawed, but that's a topic for another podcast episode. But if we do stick with the analogy that 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 part of the sales and marketing process is to to move people from a position of complete unawareness to a position of having sufficient no like 
trust uh, in the organization, the salesperson to be able to, to spend spend money. The marketing automation typically works very well at the top of the funnel where you are communicating with, you know, a lot, lot more people than any one human could possibly send manual emails to. Um, so basically market automation allows you to uh, have personalized communication with uh, a, 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 a universe of humans but it be able to do that at scale and to be able to adapt that communication depending on what those humans, what they do or what they don't do. So for example, you send an email and you say, hey, I came across this video. Um, I, I think you'd probably, um, I think you'll like it. I think it'll add value to you. Well, you, the next email that goes can be different depending on whether someone clicked that, clicked through to click that, to watch that video or they didn't. You see mm -hmm. what I mean? So so it, it appears as if there is a, a personal and personalized uh, communication from the organization to the, um, to the people yeah. receiving the communication. So um, you originally built Macanta as a layer on top of Infusionsoft, hence your deep knowledge of, of Infusionsoft and yeah. how we came about um, connecting in the first place. Um, I'd just like to understand a little bit about the journey that you've gone on to go from add-on to standalone um, between from where it was to where it is today. The trouble with you guys is that all of your questions are, are podcast worthy yes. in their own right. <laughs> but to, oh, to, you're welcome to come to, back again and, and record several <laughs> podcasts with us. <laughs> you can't you can't be that short a guest, surely. No, no, um, no. But uh, it's, it's always interesting to have people and have these conversations. Sorry. So, the 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 short version of the story uh, really ties back to one of the first things we talked about, which is what, are the, what is the definition of a CRM? It's the contact relationship management. Yeah. And the kind of partner that I was in the Infusionsoft community, the, the Keep family as it is now, was because of my technical background, was typically helping Infusionsoft users link and synchronize their Infusionsoft system with something else. So you might be a... Uh, a veterinary surgery, for example, and you've got uh, humans that are represented in your practice management system. You know, you've got your clients, but you're doing marketing to them. So those same humans are represented in Infusionsoft as well. So there's a desire to keep the two systems uh, synchronized, um, if, if that makes sense. The challenge that I kept coming across for, for my clients time and time again was that they didn't just want to automate around the contact. So take the vet, for example, their clients have pets and they, and they wanted to be able to do all of the fun and funky stuff that they were able to do with marketing automation You're for their clients, the for, the, for the, for the, for the contact. Yeah. They wanted to send the, the email in the, in the context of information and knowledge that they had about the pets. So say for example, you know, I've got a pet, I've got a cat and I've got a rabbit. Well, they're going to be. They're going to have different birthdays. If animals can have birthdays, I guess they can. They were born on a on a day, um, but just from a from again coming back to this this no like trust and cementing this relationship that organisations have with their with their um, their leads and their and their clients is how would you feel if your vet sent you an email on the birthday of of uh, of your of your dog and your cat and your and your rabbit? Um, you, you you feel great. You know, people have a have a um, I sometimes think strange relationship with their pets, but we know that it is a, it is a strong one. 
Um, so I kept coming across this desire for people that the totally business owners had totally bought into the, uh, the power of, of marketing automation to be able to personalize at scale. But there was a piece missing because that personalization was absent of information which was absolutely critical to the delivery of a service to the client. So for a vet, it was the client's pets. For, for a mortgage broker, it was about the mortgage applications. For a real estate broker, it was about the properties that people are asking them to sell. For the mechanic, it's about the cars that, that are, are there and the service history of the cars. So I hope I'm getting across that, that there is a whole world of information inside a business, which provided that you've got the right tools, you have the capability of, of automating around and providing personalized communication to, uh, to, to the client. So, mm. so that was why we initially gone. No, no, no. I, I wanted to uh, suggest a couple of concrete examples on that, right? So such as, for example, a mechanic. The mechanic is going to want to know, you know, when is the birthday, for example, of the client, the person driving the car, but wants to know, for example, when the MOT is in the UK, that would be the MOT. Exactly. Right? And then sending exactly. out uh, the, the UD safety check MOT, sending out a reminder a week before that says, come and see us, we've got a great deal uh, and we'll get you passed. Uh, another one would be, uh, last time I checked your tires, you had about three mil of tread on, you should be close to uh, wear, um, wearing the legal limit off. So come and get your tires checked and yeah. no, no, listen, You're absolutely right, Florence. And there, is, there are some people listening to this that have experience of CRMs and stuff. Well, I can just store that information as custom fields on the contact record. I say, yes, you can. But what happens if the client's got two cars? Yeah. How are you going to distinguish when you send them an email that you're actually emailing them about their, their ute and not their saloon? Is that the right words in Australia? I don't know. Again? Yeah. Yeah. Man, there you go. There you go. Um, so that, that, that's the other aspect of it as well, is that, that typically the, where you've got the one contact, there are many instances of the, of the other data. Um, and just what you said about the, the test certificates, uh, a, a real world example, we have a client of McCanter. Uh, they are um, electricians, but they do commercial uh, commercial work. So they will get a contract with the like of uh, Woolworths, for example. I know Woolworths is in is on Australia. Is that right? Yep. Yep. Yeah. They, they were in the UK. Um, uh, to to to. Uh, manage all of the external lighting of all the Woolworth stores right across Australia. Now, every single store location has got different kind of lighting and different kind of lighting needs to be uh, renewed and recertified at different times. So you can imagine trying to, to keep track of all of this additional data. And, and that's really where we're crossing over into um, where, where we're different with Macanta is that with Macanta, we're far more interested in helping business owners with the business of their business as opposed to the marketing of their business. So I know this is the sales and marketing podcast, so perhaps we can't no. go too far down that, down, that, down that road. But really the, the sales and marketing aspect of a business is just one of the, one of the functions and one of the areas of the business which can benefit from, from automation. Um, and uh, unless you have a tool which is built for purpose, if you like, to understand all of the additional data that goes on and additional information which goes on to delivering your service, then you can do all the marketing automation you like, but there's going to come a certain point in time where you're going to have to take that 
person that's now a customer and move them into a different a different system. Whereas Macanto allows you to buy to to build a CRM in its fully inclusive sense, both to help you manage with the sales and marketing side of it, but also to help you automate more of your business because Macanto knows more about your business. It knows about the information that's important to you, and it knows about the different relationships that different people have to that to that information to that data. Um, just as a, a side note or a side question. So in the case of Europe and right now with the UK still being part of Europe, GDPR is a concern, or at least mm -hmm. it's a consideration that needs to be taken into account. So how sure. does, for example, uh, one, you know, providing consent or uh, uh, getting consent for that information to be stored, how is that a challenge for any marketeer outside uh, um, currently listening? How is that a challenge in order that can be overcome and actually get the information so that we can provide as, as marketers, we can provide personalized, serv personalized services? Uh, it's, it's a great question. Um, and on the one hand, it's, there's a lot, a lot talked about GDPR and there's um, recently Californian equivalent uh, of it. Um, the reality is that regardless of the, the legislation is that the data that you capture and store about the people that are important to you. And as a business, that's the people that are spending money with you or thinking about spending money with you. It's really, really valuable and deserves to be treated by you as, a, as an organization with as much care and responsibility as the money that you put into your bank, if not more so, because the money that is in your bank now is static but the information that you have about your contacts can actually be used to create more, more money. So, so on the, on the, on the one hand, it was like, do the right thing. Don't be a dick. Don't, yeah. don't do stuff. Don't do stuff with your, with your client's data that you wouldn't want done to yourself. And to that, so to that end, it doesn't really matter about GDPR and, and, uh, and all the different legislations. Um, because if you are doing the right thing, by your customers and if you've got a no like trust approach to uh, the relationships that you have with your customers and your prospects the chances are you're doing the right thing anyway but actually when you actually dig down deep into the legislation and i, I drew the short store the short straw uh in my company uh to actually do that to make sure that we were gdpr compliant it really is just a, I've said, used the word just too many times over the last um, couple of minutes. So I just must stop. Um, it, it is a, it is a, uh, a, a legal representation of, of stuff which we were doing anyway. So it was relatively straightforward for us to become GDPR compliant. But from a technical perspective, and, and it comes down to, you know, making sure that you get permission to store information and you can do that, you know, relatively straightforwardly with a, with a, a tick box. Uh, you will want to make sure that you're storing information about, uh, you know, who, who, ticked that, who ticked the box, when they ticked it, where they were when they ticked it. Um, so you've got that uh, from a compliance perspective. Now that's relatively straightforward. From a technical perspective, it is important for most businesses to have the confidence that the data that they're storing about their customers is in, is in the country of their customers. So for example, we've got a partner 
uh, they, their, their market, if you like, their niche is mortgage brokers in Canada. So we're making sure that the systems that they uh, spin up that are built on Macanta, the data is stored in Canada and likewise in UK and, and, and Australia. So this is another way that we've, another approach that we've taken to that kind of personalization is we, we recognize that's important. So we've made sure that there is a, 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 a we've done the, the, the technical work to make sure that when you sign up for Macanta, you can say, I want my data to be stored here. Um, and uh, that, that is another way that you can uh, that you move yourself towards compliance with GDPR and generally with, with other, other legislation like that. Mm. Does that answer your question? It does. Yeah. Thank you. All right. Well, I think we've gone for a uh, pretty good time here today and uh, we've covered quite a lot with uh, certainly a few more episodes could definitely fall out of this. And um, I've made a rod from my own back, haven't I? Well, uh, <laughs> I mean, content is great all around for everybody. So um Always happy to jump on with a chat with you, Peter, and uh, likewise, Floris. So um, if there's no other comments, I guess um, thank you very much, Peter, for joining us today and uh, answering Pleasure questions with you guys. about CRM and marketing automation and Macanta and why all of that is so important for a business to get their head around. Um, please make sure you look up Peter on his LinkedIn profile and you can also find out more uh, on Macanta CRM um if you go to the contact page you'll find peter there and you'll be able to click through to his uh, linkedin page so if you've got any other questions you can always ask us on uh, any of the socials or if you jump onto the frontlinepodcast.com and fill out the contact form we'll be sure to get in touch as soon as possible so thank you very much for listening to us on the frontline take care and have a good one you have been listening to the sales and marketing podcast we hope you enjoyed this episode and hope to see you again soon on the front line.